welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steve Rich. And you are the Falcon to our Winter Soldier, episode 221 today, April. Very nicely done. <laughs> April 22nd, 2021. We're going to be catching up with each other before we go right into our topic of the day, which is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 1 review, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in the detailed section of your favorite podcast provider or YouTube section below. Steve, my yeah, goodness. Russ. Yeah. How you been? Ah, good. Yeah, to see ya. I <laughs> uh, got to make eye contact with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting how oh, the, boy. The, the term eye contact is used just because your eye doesn't necessarily like physically contact well, anyone. Mine does. It has no mind ability to speak. Can you imagine if people actually did that? They made, actually like made literal eye contact, like ah, my eye. I don't know if it's you yet, but hold on. Yeah, <laughs> that's him. Oh boy, you got any saline? I do. I got lots of it. I can imagine they go through it like crazy if you did that. <laughs> Grody. What is new with you? What is new in your world? Well, Russ been watching some things. You know what I finally did? Mm. I finally beat that uh, Jurassic Park evolution. I thought you stopped playing that. Like you were losing uh, yeah, interest yeah, or something. I in was that. losing interest, but I mean, I knew I was almost done with it. So I thought I just got to get it. I just got to get it over with. So I finally did. And um, eh, there just really wasn't much there. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, the last bit spoiler, but not really is uh, they really put you to the test. Uh, they uh, like A big storm comes, and it's like, okay, Jurassic Park 1 all over again. Yeah, and anything like, that can go wrong goes wrong. Yeah, pretty much. A big storm comes, a tornado shows up. You like got hackers stealing in your... In Puerto Rico or whatever. Your, your dino exactly. DNA. So, like, a sabotager comes and, like, turns off all the power, and so, the, like, the fence, like, current, I guess, goes down. And then all the gates open up, and uh, then a bunch of dinosaurs get diseases, and it's like pandemonium. Oh my goodness! And then once you uh, save the day, then then uh, what's it? Malcolm, I think it was. Who's uh, who's who's uh, Malcolm is uh, the I believe the Jeff Goldblum character. Yes, yeah. Jeff Goldblum goes, huh? Yes. Wow. Huh? Yes. Well, we didn't think he would do it, and you uh, you did it. There, there, there he is. <laughs> Pandemonium going on around here. There, there are lizards. Chaos. Give me your arm. Give me your arm. I'm going to drop a drop of water. Chaos. See how that works. Chaos. So he gets on there and gives you some praise, and then it's like, okay, we'll keep doing what you're doing. Just keep on going on excavations. I guess there's more like types of dinosaurs you can you can find, sure, research and whatnot. But at that point, it's like you know, I'm kind of bored. You know, I've done the same thing on five different islands. I'm kind of done with it. Like, really done with it this time. Well, hey, you got it over the finish line. That's what you needed to do. Right. So you're done. I'm done. You had that experience. Yeah. You are now an expert Mm. Jurassic era 
park evolution park manager. Right. Owner. Owner, even. <laughs> so I did that. And then, um, you know, we watched a couple things, wifey and I. Mm-hmm. We watched the movie called Nobody. Okay, so I've seen... What have you seen, Russ? I've seen an advertisement. Oh. I, I thought it was a TV show, though. No, it's definitely not a TV show, Russ. Is it an original movie? Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's the the picture of the guy. like He looks like an average dad type, and he's getting yeah. punched in the face. He's all bloody and stuff, right? Yeah, kind of like that, Russ. It's on that. Yeah, I mean... So- we saw the, the trailer for it, I believe. Yeah, and then we were, I always thought, like, what happened to it? Well, we found it on Amazon. Okay. And so we watched it. And, and this is not an original series? This is a movie? Yes. Or movie. Weird. Okay. And it's like, it's by the same director as uh, John Wick. I remember that, yes. And it's very John Wick-y, too, Ross. Oh, now, now, I, now you're speaking yeah, my language. Yeah, I, I think you'd like it. You know who uh, who's also in it? Is uh for a little small bit part is uh Christopher Lloyd. He's in there. Really? Yeah. I love me some Christopher Lloyd. We're it's big fans of Christopher Lloyd yeah. on this show. We were supposed to uh see him, I think, at one of the Dallas Expo. I don't know if it was this last Dallas Expo or not, but he was supposed to be there. I Okay, so yeah, there, there was, yeah, I remember mm. that they, they had a lot of the Back to the Future crew that were making a, a trip to the Dallas Comic Con. Right. And I, yeah, I'm not sure if he made it, but a lot of the other folks did. I ended up at a different year uh-huh. getting to meet him. Huh. And I believe I showed you that picture, right? Didn't I show that photograph of uh, me and Christopher Lloyd? I know you met Biff. I did. I'm, I'm, I'm going down my Back to the Future cast bucket list. I'm slowly but surely able to, uh. to meet. I also met Mr. Strickland. That's right, you did. I forgot about that picture. Yeah. Hmm. Great gentleman. But um, yeah, I met Christopher Lloyd. Uh, they had this nice kind of uh, photo op spread where they had a, a Back to the Future style DeLorean, an actual DeLorean that mm-hmm. was there. And they had like this nice little backdrop of the uh, the clock tower. Save the clock tower! That was great. I'm sure I've shown you that picture. I don't know. I, I, I know the one with Biff. I don't know about the others. I probably recognize him if it's on us. I'm sure you. what you will do is you will... Find them, scan them, upload them to this. Sure. And then everybody, then I'll see them. Maybe it could very well be that as we're talking about it right now, they're looking at it. That's right. That's how we roll. So otherwise, let's see. Oh, that's it. So I watched a chick flick with my wife. Oh, well, aren't you just the dutiful husband? We watched Kate and Leopold, Russ. I scarcely recall that name. That's actually a good movie. It's um, it's it is a good movie. It it is very entertaining, very clean. Um, it stars uh, our boy Huey Jacks, Hugh Jackman. Yes, we're also big fans of Mr. Jackman. Uh, big fans of Mr. Hugh. Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. I can tell you paid a lot of attention. Yeah. Um. So she's in it. And then the dude uh, uh, who um, he was, uh, let's see, what did he play? And he <laughs> played Sabretooth in the first X-Men. Okay. He, I think he's on Dexter also. There are a lot of guys in Dexter. He's like one of the main people. Anyway, he's in it. 
<laughs> Anyhow, good. Uh, that was so that that was that was good. That was a good movie, actually. We we quite enjoyed. It. They, oh, we started the Hobbit all over again. Again, it's been a new year, Russ. How many times have you guys watched that? It's been a new Not year. that that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm just kind of surprised. Like I feel like you. Did you just just finish watching? No, that? it was like a few minutes. It, a few, few minutes, minutes ago, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's been a, it's been a, a, a bit since we've uh, we, we've seen it actually, and mostly we're not going to finish the movie necessarily. We just wanted the beginning is wonderful. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree, and I think the Lord of the Rings trilogy is also wonderful, it and is, yeah. all of those films are. They're, they're the kind of movies that you can either sit down and have like an event mm-hmm. and watch them, or I feel like they are also the kind, the kind of movie where if you just want something playing in the background while you do something else, vacuum. Sure, yeah. There you go. And then finally, play Uno. We start playing Uno in this house. Like, Strip poker, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, then we watch the movie Limitless. Okay. This is with um, Bradley Cooper. I remembered Bradley Cooper, another very talented individual. Yes, yes. He, uh, he's the voice of Rocket Raccoon. Yep. He uh, he played in uh, American Sniper. I think it yes, was. He did. Bradley Coops. So he was in it. He that, was also in Wedding Crashers. He was also in it. Yeah. Ter- yeah. Very. Not likable character in Wedding Crashers. That's what you call fine acting right there. I, but Limitless was actually pretty good. I, we just kind of stumbled on it. We were kind of cycling through a bunch of movies that we could get for free on Amazon. And we were like, <laughs> yeah, let's see the trailer. And so we watched it. And we thought, yeah, you put on the list. And we watched it at some point. And so we thought, why not tonight? As in like earlier this week. You know? Of course. Of course. So we watched it. And that's actually a good movie. Um, it is about a dude who is struggling, trying to get some traction in his life. Because, okay. And he's a writer, and he has writer's block. And he's already got a contract from like this publisher to write some story, some book. And he's struggling, and his life's going nowhere. And somebody he knows says, hey, I got there's this new medicine that just came out. It's FDA approved. You got to try it. And what it basically does is it says, okay... We all use like 20% of our brains and this thing like opens up 100% of your brain to use. And so he becomes super smart in no time at all and basically utilizes all of his time to learn and learn everything like super easy. Mm. And so uh, like life comes very simple to him and he's able to, uh, yeah, he's, his confidence goes through the roof. He's able to have very good conversations. He's able to remember stuff from his childhood. Like he stoke up a conversation with somebody who was, telling him like he's overdoing his rent and, and he noticed that her bag was a textbook. And the only reason he knew that was because when he was going to college, he recognized the textbook and was able to like tell her what to do with the major that she was studying, whatever. Anyhow, it's actually like a pretty, pretty good movie. I, we, we really enjoyed it. I'd suggest that one to you too. Okay. So, limitless. Okay. Limitless. I'll have to check it out. But other than that, it's been a minute, Rosa. How about you? I've had a number of things going on this week. Uh, where where to begin, Steve? Hmm. Where to begin? Oh, okay. First of all, this yes. is something that I thought of you. I was looking at the behind-the-scenes footage of WandaVision. I know that WandaVision um, in particular was very interesting to see Vision. Literally. But the thing about it was, 
when it came to the character, I didn't know this until I started watching it. So when you think of, of, of Vision's face, mm-hmm. right, yeah. and, and how he moves around and everything, I always sure. thought that everything on him was kind of like a practical makeup effect. Like, you know, they, they put like the, the soul stone here. Sure. Not, not, not the soul stone, but they put the... Uh, one of the the stones on his head, and then they have you know some of those those like metallic looking bands that go around the side of his head, and there's like there's kind of like those sure. um, little kind of like detail. Like if you look really close up on his face, they have the really neat like contours and details and stuff like that. Blew my mind. That's all CG. It's insane. They were focusing mainly in this particular behind the scenes episode. With WandaVision, so like when they were showing like the black and white stuff, for instance, they were saying, okay, well, normally Paul Bettany's face is more of that maroon color, you know, red or maroon color, and and, and then they were from it there. However, it wasn't showing up very well for the black and white episode, so they actually went to blue. So he has this this, this like blue face paint that's, that's covering his head, everything, and you see his ears. And then they go through, and this is this is where um, industrial light magic come in. They literally erased sections of his head <laughs> and then reapplied that like like just the what what you see in the final film that is insane like i was blown away when i was watching that because that is not an easy even from like a rotoscoping or match moving standpoint like the way that that vision moves and especially like like if he does like a a rotation of his head or something like that having everything stay where it's supposed to be and not get all funky looking and herky jerky and stuff. There's some, unless they've got some kind of like proprietary software that helps them. If someone's doing that by hand, kudos to that person or that team, whoever's doing that, because that is really, really hard to do. But I was, I was completely blown away because you see him acting, you see like the raw footage and he has his ears and you just, and he just, his face is just a single uh, color. And then you see like 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 the kind of like the transition like they, see, they, they do they do like a wipe and then you see like his ears go away and then another wipe and like this whole section of his head's gone and then there's another wipe and then you start seeing like some of the details go, starting to go in another wipe you see the stone appear on his head I mean like I was nerding out hardcore I could not believe that all these years that I've been watching Vision I just figured it was like really cool sure. practical like makeup effects and it's CG it was insane. Another thing that is um, kind of like special effect related that I was uh, very much looking forward to showing you, Steve, Hmm. is um, if you recall, we were talking about how in our previous episode, um, we well, we were in the previous episode, we were reviewing uh, The Mandalorian. And we won't we won't go into spoilers for that right now, but we were talking about we did take a look at how they introduced some of the deep fake technology, right? Like for a certain character that appears in the film and how they ended up redoing the character and made it better. They improved upon it. Remember right. that? Yes. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with deep fake, it's actually something that, that is, is uh, quite popular on YouTube now. And it's, it's growing in terms of, of people being very fascinated with it. But the technology behind it is that you have a software program that can take, um, uh, all the all these collections of pictures of a particular person. So let's say, for instance, there's a celebrity of like Tom Cruise, right? And um, so the software program analyzes all these pictures from like Google search, for example, right? And, and, and brings it into its database. So it, it clearly understands 
what Tom Cruise's face looks like. And then if you have a different person, let's say, for instance, I were to take your face or my face and we get like all kinds of like different angles of our face and head and everything else and take pictures and then we apply it, we can then tell the software program that, hey, for every time that you see Tom Cruise's face, that we want you to replace it with this person's face. And it doesn't matter what angle they're at or anything else. So we were talking about that with regards to The Mandalorian. And um, we, I, I, was, I was talking about this, uh, this one group. I, I believe their YouTube channel is called like The Corridor Crew. They're a team of visual effects artists, really talented bunch. And they made their own version of this particular character and they improved upon it. And it just, it was, fa it was fantastic because they literally used one of their teammates as the stand-in. And then they were able to apply this well-known character's face to his face. And suddenly it was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Well, Steve, I did some exploring. And did you? I did. And, and I, I, want, I want to direct your attention to the screen because <sighs> I decided to use my face. Yeah. On some well-known movie characters. And I just wanted to, to get your reaction on this. So please take a look at the screen. And, uh, oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> you might oh, recognize goodness. who that is. Oh, good God. <laughs> uh, the movie's ruined for me now. I'm never going to be able to watch it the same way again. Oh, man. I tell you what, I am very oh, glad that Wonder grief. Woman does not look like that. You have to put that on Twitter. <laughs> Tag Gal Gadot in it. Oh my goodness. So I, you know, it was, it was just insane. Like looking at it. <laughs> oh my jeez. Ah! Oh, lots of, lots of Gosh. fun sequences. And it's so haunting and disturbing. And so oh, I thought, well, why my. stop with Gal Gadot? Why not be all of them? <laughs> so I started. Oh, <laughs> Doesn't matter who it is on the Justice League. My goodness. I mean, look at I me. Mean, I'm okay. You have to admit, <laughs> I, I, I make a pretty decent looking Superman, right? I would say you actually look better as the Flash. Okay. You look good as a Flash. Okay. No, definitely not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Tom Cruise. Uh, this is all of the Mission Impossible uh, movies. That you see. <laughs> man. Oh, there, recognize that? John Wick, but now it's Russ oh, Wick. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is nuts. Uh, here's Wolf of Wall Street, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, now it's uh, <laughs> Russie McConaughey. <laughs> I mean, it's really kind of creepy, isn't it? Yeah, it it's, is. It's creepy, but yet it's fascinating at the same time. So, um. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, <laughs> uh, then the, the, the next one after that, I can't remember which one comes up. Oh, uh, this is Game of Thrones. So this is me being uh, Jon Snow. And I know you watched a little bit of, of Game of Thrones. You didn't see all of it, but um, I, you know, to be honest, like I feel like my face works in Game of in like the world of Game of Thrones. Oh, here's me as Captain America. Hey, Megan, all right, Captain America. I feel like I was all right, right? Like I mean, my face kind of works. Like it's not you know the OG Captain America in the MCU. Oh, what in the world? Okay, so this is Troy. This is Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, gosh, but I mean, look at it though. 
I mean, it's like you look like an Irish Brad Pitt and, <laughs> and Troy. It's kind of like Conan O'Brien with like a big chin and cheeks and stuff. Oh yeah, look at I've got the body of a Greek god, Steve. Like I can find my my fantasies have come true. Oh, here we go, Tony Stark as me. Um, don't think so. Or I, me as Tony Stark. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Oh, come on. <laughs> How about John Cena, Steve? Oh, well, John Cena. Well, yeah, Russ John Cena. Cena. I, I feel I feel like that 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 kid that works out all right. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Crocodile. Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. You got Han Solo. You almost look like the guy. I forgot his name. He was in like. Uh, <laughs> What was it? Like, what was that <clears throat> show? It's like, fa- not, fa- is it Family Matters? Look, this is Margot Robbie doing oh, like gosh. the whole Harley Quinn thing, but it's me instead. I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> <Look at that. laughs> oh my goodness. It's so, like, just crazy. <laughs> no words, Steve. No words at all. It's amazing. I think and I-, I thought I would save this one for last just for you, Steve. Legolas. Me as Legolas. You could have at least been Gimli. <laughs> I, I I wanted to be Legolas because I don't know, just because I knew that would set you off. Oh, gosh, <laughs> my face is like beat red. I'm like laughing hysterically over here. Oh, oh my gosh! Now there's, you know who you look like, um, and I, I I might be wrong in in Family Matters. It was that that show that came on Sundays. Bob Saget was like the main character in it. Full the house. Dad. Full house. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like Bob Saget's brother. The well, guy, the other yeah, three guys. Yeah, I. You know what? Someone else has said that too. How like somehow I remind them of that one guy in particular. I can't remember his name, but I I know who you're talking. Oh, about. I gotta find it now. Oh man! Like just looking at your expression, watching on that <laughs> that montage. Oh, I'm gonna treasure that for sure. <laughs> Bunch of like, oh, I, I can't even like. Uh, Dave Coulier, C-O-U-L-I-E-R, Coulier, Coulier. Sure. It's, you know, that dude. Yes. Yes. That is, that is the person who other people have, uh, uh, mentioned the same thing. Yeah. I would humbly concur. So which ones do you, were you most impressed with out of those? Impressed? I mean, I'm not even, I'm just saying from a technical merit. Um, I mean, I would have, there were some doozies in there, weren't there? There were some doozies. Um, I mean, for sure. Like, I think, I think the flash looked good because it was like, all of, all of them are just your face with like the person's haircut. Right. Basically. So the the flash, it was your face with his helmet and mask. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of looked a little bit better. Like it fit, like you had a prop, like a movie prop on your face. Right. Um, so that one was actually the, uh, the best. I mean, some of the other ones that were further away, like with like Aquaman, for example. Yeah. Like, hey, it's you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was actually really taken with, um, how, okay. First of all, Wonder Woman looked really good, even though like that body was not mine at all or anything else. I mean, but just the way uh, it looked, I thought was impressive. And also, uh, Margot Robbie, I was like, my goodness, that works out really well. Well, it's like something happened with like your teeth and her teeth that was thrown. No, me she off. was wearing she was wearing something in one of those scenes. I, I think it was like a retainer or something, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I know what you're talking about because there are certain instances where the teeth, the, yeah, there was like an issue with the teeth. 
uh, a little bit here and there. But um, anyway, what that is just uh, a, a glimpse of how this is actually becoming more and more of a um, attainable, accessible thing. And it's not just for the folks who, who first came up with the idea. There are um, apps out there and, and um, uh, just folks who are starting to figure out how to utilize this technology, which is both terrifying and also, like I said, fascinating. Yeah. And I really do hope you have nightmares, Steve. I will. <laughs> I, uh, that's not going to get out of my... You're impressed, though, aren't you? Uh, well, anyway, aside from that, uh, obviously we finished watching season one of the of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's sure. A, that's a given. I had a bit of a roller coaster ride this week. Did you? Uh, the, the early part of the week, I was on this high because I was able to get converted to full-time employment by 31st Union, which I yeah. was very, very excited about. I've been hoping for a long time ever since I joined with them. Um, I had been um, working more as like a, a temp full-time employee for 31st Union over the last, uh, I'd say, almost year and a half, not quite year and a half or so. And the opportunity came up and um, I accepted and, and uh, I could not be more excited and pumped to be able to, to continue working with this great team. And um, the stuff that we're working on is really exciting. So I was like on this like super high during the first, uh, well, I would say like most of the week, really. And then we had a family emergency, which you know about. I do. Yeah. And so it involved uh, my father-in-law and um, without going into too much details, he ended up having um, a brain aneurysm. And so that really scared the family. And uh, my wife, of course, was um, very concerned and everything else. So then we were kind of in that mode for a while. And that's why this podcast uh, <laughs> episode is, is a bit late to getting to everyone. I apologize for that. And but then luckily he is um, at least at this point seemingly pulling out of it. He's he's no longer in um, you know a, a medically induced coma or anything like that. And so <clears throat> you know we're we're very relieved and happy about that as well. So yeah, it's been like this total roller coaster ride uh, during the week. And yeah, I think I think that that's about all that's new with me on this week, Steve. Good, Russ. Topic of the day is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 1 Review. We're going to be giving our high-level spoiler-free thoughts mm. before going into the spoiler mm. elevator down to the spoiler floor where we will give a deep analysis of the film. Steve. Sounds good, Russ. <clears throat> Do you uh, notice anything on me? I notice you have not said anything yet. I, I notice a button right around here. And then an N right here. 
just to give you a proper viewing, I'm going to take this opportunity to show and my support. And I see support. a U and an OR and a left. Ooh. But the T has got a couple tickles on it. <laughs> <laughs> I got that from uh. San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> I believe it was 2019, hmm. if I'm not mistaken. It was before gosh, the awful pandemic that happened, which caused us not to have a San Diego Comic Con for 2020. Definitely later than that, Russ. <clears throat> but I feel like it, it, it's appropriate given the subject matter of this episode. I'm thinking the the due age of the shirt. It was probably like 2015 or maybe Russ. 2015. No, 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 no. This, maybe. this one, I, I believe I got, I'm, I'm about 80% sure it was 2019. It could have been 2018, but I'm pretty sure it was 2019, Steve. Put my money on it. Steve. Like, like <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can put some Monopoly money on that, Steve? Yeah. yeah. Hey, how Here's come you have some... so many $500 bills? <laughs> yeah, and they're pink. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of season one overall? Oh, yeah, season one. Where was I thought it was a bit short. Well, yeah, it was only six episodes. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, at first <laughs> I thought, well, okay, six episodes. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what they do with it. But towards the end, I thought, well, I would like it to be longer. Mm-hmm. Russ, I would have liked maybe even seven episodes. I would have liked anything else they would have given me. And I'm not going to say that they left a lot of doors unopened. However... It's a show. It's it's a series. Uh, you have episodes. Wasn't was WandaVision longer? Did they have more episodes? One Division had eight episodes. Yep. Why wouldn't this one have eight episodes? Yeah, that's what <clears throat> that's what I was surprised about was the the shortness really of this season because I'm kind of like I don't know a general rule of thumb is that especially when you have a first season you have eight episodes and then I mean like The Sopranos for instance like as they went on season after season. Do you recall whether or not they got more and more episodes? Like, like were there certain seasons that had like twelve episodes? Well, most of them had about twelve. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I too share your your surprise on that. So, I mean, I think they did good with what they had. I mean, it was a it was, it's a very entertaining show, and it it is pleasing to watch. It's not bad at all. Um, I just wish that they would have given us more. I I just feel like one more episode would have worked. Um, more than one episode I would have been grateful for. But uh, I think they did well with what they had. I, I did enjoy um, the the relationship between Sam and and Bucky. I think they did well with that. I did. I, I think where they're heading might be towards like the Young Avengers, perhaps. That might. I, I, I kind of feel like this is also a segue show into maybe other series <clears throat> that Disney's sure. going to make. Um, I didn't feel as like it was much as much of a segue as WandaVision was this feel like this definitely felt more complete. Um, this felt more like, um, okay, you know, the big stuff, you know, the world's coming to the end epicness. Um, we're taking a break from that. And thank goodness, because honestly, I, I can only handle so much of that. <laughs> so and much catastrophe. Oh, so much catastrophe. And I'm like, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit too like superheroed out, I guess. <laughs> And so why is everyone trying to kill us? <laughs> and so I, I really just felt like, yeah, I want to see these characters more <clears> on screen and I've watched the other stuff a ton of times. So something new was, was definitely refreshing, but I don't need the epicness of the world's going to end to feel entertained. 
and or satisfied. So, and that's what this was. You had Sam, you had Bucky, you had a couple new other people in there. And, um, I thought the, the writing was good and I, I enjoyed the story and, um, I would, I'd, I'd like to see season two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I share a lot of the same sentiment. I thought that the first season was way too short. I, I thought that that the you know bare minimum they should have gone for uh, like eight episodes. And at the same time, though, I thought that the some of the themes that they were going through and exploring were good because as a whole, like like just in terms of of the the MCU and their direction that they're heading, this was a very necessary show. And it's great because it acts as a conduit between what we've seen thus far within the, the movie sides of things and what we can expect in the next phase. Because I think they're on like, what, phase four? They're going into phase four of the movies. Right. And so, you know, when we get to the end of Endgame, there are all these different types of heroes that we really have no idea or context as to what they're up to after they've basically saved the world and saved the universe. So this yeah. is a, a nice, I mean, and it's similar to that in, in terms of WandaVision too, because we got to explore that um, same type of uh, approach with those characters. I do think that there were certain mistakes that were made which we'll get into in a bit, but I do really enjoy, I just love being in the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm glad that they were able to, to continue going down this path. I recommend it to those of you who haven't seen it yet, because, I mean, it is entertaining. I think, I think it is fun. Um, I don't think, like, if you were to ask me, is it as good as, like, say, The Mandalorian? No. I think The Mandalorian is still king of the hill when it comes to all of, like, the uh, live-action Disney Plus shows that are based off of these movie universes. Uh, but having said that, it, it, I don't think that, that the show overall is any slouch at all. So with uh, that being said, Steve, please, um, I don't know, uh, somersault with me into the spoiler elevator. You know, I used to be able to somersault. Really? Yeah, I could probably still somersault. Yeah, I got I got somersault, cartwheel... Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> do you ever cart? I don't remember you cartwheeling. I have cartwheeled before, Russ. I can't do it now. It's been a minute. I don't think I've ever. I've seen you do backflips, but I've never seen you do a cartwheel. I can do. I used to be able to do a cartwheel. I could do a cartwheel. I don't think I've ever seen you do a cart. Can you do it now? Uh, no. <laughs> well, I could probably do a half cartwheel. I probably like. And then, like, just kind of hoist my two legs. Like, <laughs> that probably wouldn't work, right? That'd probably be a catastrophe. You, on the other hand, can you do a cartwheel, Rise? No. <laughs> no, it's sad. I can do a somersault. Uh, no cartwheel, though. Not all my daughter can. My six year old can do a cartwheel. That's good, Rose. Ah, she learned from the best. Uh. We have reached the spoiler territory of our review of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if you haven't seen this uh, well, particular TV show, we uh, would you know, maybe yeah. suggest that you yeah. pause us and uh, go check it out because we are going to be discussing quite a bit of stuff. Otherwise, if you don't care, then let's continue. Cool. Hang out. I'm trying to figure out where would be like an appropriate place to start on this, but... 
I, I suppose what we could do is talk about how we begin the entire season. Sure. With more of like an exposition of where um, Bucky Barnes and um, Sam is at, right? Right. So with 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 Bucky, I mean, it's it's no surprise seeing him with a psychiatrist and kind of working out a lot of his inner demons and, and what's going on and how he can be um, like assimilated yeah. back into right. normal life and normal society. Right. What'd you think of that? Um, I kind of thought it was a bit of a waste of time. I didn't think, well, that's a little bit strong, but I think they went a little bit too long with it. I think that with, they just stuck with it in the first episode and then that's it. Um, I think it would have been fine because we, 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 st- he, he was in Wakanda. Mm-hmm just trying to be at peace. And sure. so we know he's doing like, I don't know about soul searching, but I mean, he's, he, he is trying to get on the right mentally path. healing. Right. Yeah. So we get it. But, um, the therapy here in the States isn't necessarily helping him and it goes nowhere anyway in mm. the show. And so it, to spend as much time, like within the first like three episodes, pretty much, um, I just kind of thought, okay, we need to get past this. Like we, he needs to need to, to search for a different avenue or he needs to have some, uh, like, you know, turn on the light bulb kind of scene where he goes, oh, the therapy is helping and I've taken lessons from this, applied them to life and, you know, whatnot. But I just never saw it happening. Um, and, and I think it all kind of came crashing in on the third episode where the therapist was sitting there with um, Sam also. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they had that staring contest and the whole thing was like this. Well, it's like they couldn't decide if they wanted that scene to be funny or intense. Yeah. And I, and, but maybe they, they wanted a little bit of both. They advertised that scene, uh, with the show, like on, as part of the trailer, as if that was supposed to be funny. You think, oh, it's going to be funny. And then you just watch it at, in the third episode and you think, what was the whole point? Like, I don't get what they were trying to do. So I mean, I see them starting off correct, but I just thought they could have done something else with the time that, you know, could have been better. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I, like I said, I thought it was appropriate to be able to start off because I was thinking to myself, if, if I were directing this, what would I want to do with Bucky? And it's like, yeah, of course. I mean, he's seeing a psychiatrist. He's, he's going through, I mean, he, he's been able to have that time in Wakanda. He's been able to um, center himself to a certain extent. And especially with all the craziness that he saw within um, an end game, he's probably got a lot of stuff that he's trying to sort out. And especially now that like Thanos has been defeated and there doesn't seem to be any kind of like real big threat on the horizon. How does a superhero like the winter soldier be able to reassimilate into it. Sure. So it makes perfect sense. Same thing with Sam, you know, Sam is, he's gone back down to the South. I believe, was it in Louisiana? To me, it looked like it was Louisiana. Maybe, maybe I was wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's where he was. We get introduced to his sister, which was cool. We get to see some of his family nephews. We get to, to be introduced to some of, um, kind of like the, the family, the main family heirloom, which is the, the, the crab fishing boat. Yeah. Really, really cool. And so I, for one, thought it was refreshing to be able to see these two characters in these states of being more of a citizen and less of being in like their their uniform and going out to save the day. I thought that was actually, I've always had a natural curiosity for that right. sort of thing. I thought that was cool. However, yeah, like as it gone or as it went on, it you could tell that they were trying to create some semblance of, of conflict between these two characters 
and I know that it started from the movies themselves because in the movies, like they were, they had the, like this kind of funny, like uh, sarcastic kind of, yeah. Like, like you're getting on my nerves kind of thing, but yeah. we're still buddies. And it's like, they wanted to inflate that and make it more intense for the TV show. But I didn't think that that was necessary. And in fact, I thought it was kind of odd. It was kind of odd. Like it didn't need to be there. It's almost like a pissing contest between the two. Kind of like, I don't see where, why, why, why is this a thing? Like, well, the, the be, being at that level of upset, I just felt like it was unwarranted. Like, yeah. like, I mean, it's one thing of like, oh, you know, like, like for instance, like, um, Bucky was, you know, one of his main sources of, of just having a bone to pick with Sam was that Sam refused to be the next Captain America that he decided he was going to have the right. shield be placed in like the Smithsonian or some sort of exhibit. Sure. Right. Yeah. So that rubbed him the wrong way because um, his Steve was his his best friend yeah. and like you know see being bearing witness basically to him passing the torch of the shield over to Sam and having Sam respond in this way even though Sam had the best intentions yeah um, what was interesting to watch we got that line in episode five when he was saying uh, when you gave up that shield it's basically like like Steve was the only family I had I mean right. the guy was back in what the forties, you know, and how 30s. he's in thirties and then he's in this generation. So everybody he's known is dead. Uh, and so Steve was the only family he had. And so then Steve, of course, what happened in Endgame? He went back in time, hung out with Peggy, <laughs> just, you know, hung out a little bit, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and so Steve's old man now he's, you know, I don't know if he's still alive or he's you know, whatever, but, um, that shield still remains. And so, Having it, having the shield, I think, and part of the Avengers, um, where they're all kind of family, work family, mm-hmm. I guess, if you mm-hmm. will, um, was just a resemblance. So I have something from the past that that I find comfort in. So when Sam goes, okay, I'm giving it to the museum. I'm not Captain America. I'm not a super soldier. I don't have the really that much prowess to handle this thing, this thing as well as Cap- the original Captain America could. I'm going to let the government take care of it. Well, and I think more so than that, even I would say, I think the, the mental aspect for Sam was, was just the, the sheer mantle of responsibility, right? Like, cause he, he saw, um, Steve Evans as, um, Steve Evans. I'm sorry. Who is that? Russell? <laughs> Chris Evans I'm, I'm not aware of this name. <laughs> What's his last name? What's Steve's last name? Um, Steve Rogers. <laughs> Chris Pratt. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> it's amazing how, I don't know, just yeah, uh, wires crossed. Anyway, I, you know, he, he got introduced to Steve. He realized what Steve stood for, what his, his principles were and how over time he was just this, um, incredible figure for justice in the world of the MCU. And I think Sam was conflicted because he didn't want to, to do a disservice to Steve's legacy. And he also, at the same time, didn't feel as though it was almost like, like he didn't feel worthy to like take that on, even though he was right. So that part of it, I thought was fascinating. I just, I thought that it was, like I said, it was unwarranted for them to get that upset toward each other. Right. And especially like when you think about how they're both soldiers, right? They're both soldiers of war. They've been through these huge battles together. So there will very naturally fuse some, some really deep bond. Sure. Um, that, that is not easily broken because you've been fighting together. 
You and can, I, think, I, think, I think that's why when they got upset, it was just petty. Yeah, it was petty and it was kind of forced. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've been through thick and thin. I mean, the world's coming to an end. The blip happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys want to get past your petty difference? <laughs> well, and I think that, that if, they were to, if they were to go down the path more of it just being funny, because the two of them have great chemistry together. They do. And it's really fun to watch the two of them get on each other's nerves. It so is. like when they were you know together with that psychiatrist and they had to like put their, their legs together and get as close as they could. Toward, I mean, that little moment, that was funny. Like that was really, really good. But then it got turned into this thing where like, you know, I'm tracking with them you know, on an emotional level. And I'm thinking right. this, like this wouldn't happen. Like it wouldn't be at this level, at, at least at this point in time with the, uh, the storytelling. Right. So. There are... Uh, a, a number of things that I wanted to touch upon with you about um, early on in the season. I'm sure you heard about how the actor Wyatt Russell, who played the new Captain America, you know, we, we, we see how the government has decided to not just keep the shield in some sort of, of exhibit. They want to have their uh, a next generation Captain America. And I was really um, shocked, honestly, looking at social media and even the news about how um, even the moment that this this new actor took on the mantle of Captain America, people were furious. Like, like there there is a very um, real passion that fans have when it comes to the character of Captain America. And I think that that speaks well to the show because the show is being very intentional in sure. exploring that, right? Like, yeah. you know, you can't just replace Steve Rogers right away, like, like, or, or you can't just be easily do it with, with just anybody. And so I think that that was very interesting, but I don't think they anticipated how, I mean, the, the actor Wyatt, like he got like death threats and like, that is so stupid. Did you hear people. about this? No, I didn't, but it makes sense. It's insane. Like, like, I mean, he got totally bombarded, but with like all kinds of folks who were idiots. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, it was, I don't care that Disney wrote it. I don't care that it's fictional. I don't care. What do you want me to do? I'm an actor. <laughs> it's well, a job. And, and, and that's God, honestly like, like people, that, that's what they, that, that was the response is like, you know, you, you had this, this, this huge, like very like hateful. It was, it was almost like, like, like they couldn't separate the actor from the character, you know? And then you had this other side, which was like, Hey, Hey, you guys need to take it down a couple notches. You need to chill because this is just a story. This is not real. You need to stop actually contacting the actor and threatening his life. That is not cool. Um, and even, you know, it's a sad state when you need to remind people of facts. Well, and I think the <laughs> common sense, w- once the larger fan base caught wind of it, then they like started calling those people out and were like, hey, stop it. That's not cool. And so Man. people have been able, you know, you'd seen like the simmering down. Okay. Okay. I'll back off. Yeah. <laughs> the wonders of being anonymous online. Yeah, that's really. it. But yeah, the way Disney, but yeah. So when I'm watching the thing, I thought you're not going to have anybody else's opinion on this. You're not going to talk to the other Avengers and see what they think. The government's just going to make a decision and we're going to have to run with it, you know? And I think that's one of the genius aspects of the storytelling when it comes to the show is that I think they were being very intentional with um, playing with our emotions. Because I know for me personally, like when I first saw this new guy come out, I didn't know who he was and he's holding the shield. I'm like, what is he doing with the shield? You know, like, he doesn't it, have it, the right chin. Well, 
the whole thing. I mean, like, like I remember when that, that episode ended, I, I, there was a sense of like fan violation. Like I'm like, wait, 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 what gives him the right to, to, to become the next Captain America, you know? But that was like an ongoing theme that they had within the show. Right. Is like, how do you pick who is the right person for that job? And I think that that is even unto itself, um, you don't just throw on a uniform and suddenly you're Captain America because the persona of Captain America is very much this, this selfless job of, of honor, really. Right. Um, did you have the same kind of like reaction though when you when you saw him come out? You're kind of like, oh, I miss Steve Rogers. Like, yeah, what's this? like this is totally the wrong guy. I kind of thought like if this is the real Captain America, I thought, well, I'm going to really try and get used to this. Try yeah. and get used to this. Um, but I thought something's going to happen. Like they, he would have picked it up easily by now. Either they're going to have these or either he's going to walk this very difficult road of trying to fit in. And that's what the story is going to be. Or he's, he's not going to play out as Captain America and it's going to go to Bucky or, or Sam. I must say that Wyatt Russell did a really nice job playing this particular character. I, I enjoyed his character arc. Did you like where we were introduced to him versus like, where he ended up. I, I do. Um, I liked him speaking with, uh, Lamar a lot. Their, their camaraderie. Um, I liked Lamar was really cool too. Yeah. And, and then in episode five, I I think, I think he really came out not when he was trying to be the good guy, but he came out when he was fed up and just trying to be himself. Not when he took revenge on that one dude for killing Lamar, but, um, like when he was addressing the senator, for example, and, and they're tr- and they're telling him no pension for you, and right. you're getting screwed, and just be happy with it, and whatever. And he's going, I've done everything you asked me to do. Like your mandates, I've lived my life by. I know I'm well, you know all that stuff. That's when he really came about, um, and I think that was was making his makeup of what he, uh, you know, the later character he's going to be. Well, and I think I was really thankful that he wasn't a character that they turned into like this one dimensional bad guy. Right. Right. Like, like, Oh, I'm just, you know, not cut out for this. And I go down this dark path and that's it. Like you, you actually saw a lot of twists and turns. Like when you're first introduced to him, when he's in um, the uniform, you're like, wait, who is this guy? And then the very next episode, we see him in that locker room, right? Because he's about to go out to that football uh, rally of sorts. Right. Um, do that interview and you realize that he he truly does understand like how being Captain America like being the next Captain America is a monumental task and that you realize that he is um, a a U.S. soldier that he's a decorated soldier that that he cares a lot for his country and whatnot but then as the show goes on we see how the strains of certain types of scenarios that perhaps he wasn't um, trained to handle as opposed to conventional warfare. They begin to, they begin to take their toll on his psyche and his decision-making. But I think also too, there was a lot of frustration that was going on too, where like he was attempting to make nice with Falcon and the winter soldier early on. They um, continuously rejected um, his uh, olive branches, if you will. Sure. And I think that was frustrating for him. And then, of course, Lamar was kind of his, his, well, this is his best bud, right? And so seeing that happen, that was interesting too because they're, you know, the, the fans, of course, um, were totally up in arms about that one sequence where he ends up killing one of the uh, the flag smashers 
uh, with the with Cap Shield, right? Which right. again, from a storytelling perspective, like it is very much a, a gasp oriented moment because to see that blood all over Cap Shield and everything else, you're kind of like, whoa, like this is yeah. this is very different. Um, but then I saw someone commenting on social media that I thought was really great. And they started, because because I mean, everybody was just like, oh, like, this guy is so awful. Da, da, da. And this one person said, well, hey, wait a minute. Look at all the other instances where we see something that is kind of similar. And I, I wrote um, some down in my notes here, but but um, they were taught, like he brought up the original Avengers movie. Remember when Loki took over the minds of like a lot of the, the shield agents, including uh, Hawkeye and they, they came to the, the helicarrier. Right. That and, was, yeah. Okay. So the, the shield agents who had like the, um, the assault weapons and, and, you know, like they were going in and infiltrating those were like us soldiers. Like they, they were, they were part of shield, but they were under the mind control because, you know, of Loki's scepter, you know, he's able to sure. control them. And you see Captain America take those people out and no one bats an eye because it's Steve Rogers. Right. And, and so I thought, Whoa, like that's, that's a really good observation. Um, yet at the same time, if you look at the new cap, the new cap killed a terrorist. I mean, like this was someone who was not like some innocent citizen or, or a bystander or whatever. Like this was someone who he witnessed in front of him, murder his best friend and go on. Yet the actor is vilified and the character is vilified. So it's very interesting to like kind of cross analyze that, uh, very, very different indeed. And, I think even in that particular scene, like, like there was this exploration of, you know, what, what it, what it means to like take the serum and, and be a super soldier versus sure. um, honor. And I think, you know, like, like there's a very like narrow, almost like, like, like uh, you're walking along uh, the edge of a knife in that regard where if, you know, for someone like Captain America, the difference between, someone who made a right choice or wrong choice is that yes, he saw this person murder Lamar in front of his eyes. Yes. That's going to make him very upset, very angry, everything else. However, in that instance, the guy surrendered and, and even it was just like, it wasn't even the, the, um, I don't the, right the right person. person. No. You know, he was just enraged and everything else. But, but the, the point of it is, is that Captain America through honor would not have committed that act of, of killing simply because there was no fight left in the guy. Right. Like, like the person at that point, you know, if you want to think about it in terms of war that he then became a POW or prisoner of war. And so to see him carry on and not have that restraint, that, that is where the difference is in, in, in that regard. But really interesting to, to look at all that. Um, another example of this too, is comparing the new cap uh, versus Wanda. If you think of WandaVision, you know, uh, Wanda kept an entire town prisoner. Now she didn't kill anybody, but we don't even know how long she was there for. And she held that entire town against their will. And we kind of alluded to that a bit when we were reviewing WandaVision season one about how like it, it was difficult to ascertain, like is Wanda a good guy right. or a bad guy? Like, like what is it? Um, somewhere in between <laughs> very, very gray. Um, and again, if, if you think of that versus, um, the new cap who kills a, a known terrorist, 
it's like you start thinking of it in those types of details, you're kind of like, huh, there's there's a lot of this gray zone that, if for nothing else, is food for thought, right? right. I mean, that, that's part of uh, some of the, the good uh, storytelling. Another w- example that this person gave, too, was comparing the new Cap to uh, T'Challa. Because when we're introduced to Black Panther, um, he witnesses his father get killed in front of him. And throughout that, that, that entire, um, not episode, that entire movie, he's trying to kill Winter Soldier. Right. Yeah. No one bats an eye, do they? Right. So, you know, and, and, and arguably, I mean, even at that point in time, Winter Soldier was in fact a terrorist. Yeah. But again, Black Panther wasn't vilified. Right. <laughs> Even though he saw, he witnessed his father perish uh, in, in a very tragic fashion, you know, versus the new Captain America who witnessed his best friend tragically get killed in front of his, 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 his eyes as well. So I don't know. I, I thought I was like, man, that, that's, uh, that's, that's some good, uh, good thought material there. Mm. Well, also too, I think, and I think, I think it all haka, yeah. Kind of all comes down to, um, I think, the action of, hey, I'm not the guy you need to get, and then it's the execution mm-hmm. of, hey, I'm I'm innocent. Because if you think about those other instances, um, they were still fighting for other reasons, right? And so uh, you take T'Challa, um, yeah, the Winter Soldier killed him. The Winter Soldier's getting away, causing some other mayhem. And Black Panther's going after him, but there was no execution. There was like right. maybe there was repercussions because of the actions, but there was no. If you compare the the the, the two, um, Black Panther didn't really execute anybody. Um, Winter Soldier didn't execute. Well, I mean, he did kill some people, but I mean, not that style. Um, so you take a known good guy whose main weapon is a shield, not a sword, not a halibur, not a gun, not whatever, just a shield, and you use that shield to bash someone's head in or like cut it off. I don't even know what they're trying to allude to in the show, but um, and the whole crowd's looking, videotaping with their phones, and it doesn't matter. He's just gonna kill him because he's angry. I think I think it when you think of it that way, that would that would get more Oz and 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 reactions that you don't want. Bad PR. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Even when you look at Captain America, I think it was Captain America Civil bleh, Captain America Civil War. Civil War rush. When uh, when we see Black Panther, he that that's also uh, where we discover that Black Panther also um, very much understands honor and understands what the right thing to do is, despite certain impulses that he may have, because if you recall at the end, he has the opportunity to take out Zemo and he doesn't remember, remember he's sitting there on the, on top of that snowy mountain thing or whatever. He takes pity on him. Right. And he understands, um, just what this, this person represents, what he's going through and takes mercy on him. Right. Which is an enormous, it takes an enormous amount of self-control standing um, in front of the person who just killed your father. Right. And that's, of course, what separates him from the new Captain America. And that new Cap definitely made a mistake on that. Speaking of Zemo, what did you think of seeing Zemo return in, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I liked it. You know, he, he that the same actor uh, who played Zemo um, played in the movie Rush for Nicky Lotta, 
who was a driver for Ferrari and F1. Anyway, I wanted to get on that, but I mean, um, I, was, I, I was watching it this time, and I thought, man, I know I've seen that guy somewhere before, outside of Marvel. And I, I had to, I had to M-dib him and found it, and sure enough, I, it's pretty cool. Anyway, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually glad they brought him back, because when we saw him, what was that, in... Um, when did we see him? Was that that was on Civil War? Civil War. Civil War. Uh, I didn't think they played him out enough, and I thought there's more to him than we know. And then that movie was over, and I thought, all right, well, we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, but they brought him out in this one. He's a lot more complex, and I do appreciate a complex villain, as I know you do too. I don't still want a brute in there. I'm bad because I like being bad. And then bad to the bone plays in the background. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I I I like seeing him. I'm glad they brought him back. Um, you know, he's still a bad dude, but he's willing to play along. Um, well, he, I, like you said, he, he's he's fascinating to get to know because we really didn't know anything right. about him the first time around. And we, like, for instance, like we've discovered he's a baron. You're like, whoa, yeah, you're like, whoa, yeah. The man right. has money. Like yeah, he comes from privilege and everything. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah. But I also really appreciated, like I said, like like getting to know more of his personality, find out more about um, where he hangs out, his connections and stuff. And I also like too how he wasn't just some neutered villain. How like right. you could tell he had ul- ulterior motives for sure. Yeah. I especially love the scene where he was testing to see if the, uh, I don't even know what you call it, but like the, the, the code word book still worked on winter soldier and it didn't. I thought that was really powerful because that was such an, uh Oh, dreadful moment yeah. in previous films. So anyway, I thought that was really neat. The one thing though that I couldn't get behind was Like there were certain instances, and this is something that I notice when it comes to um, Disney Plus, some some Disney Plus TV shows, they have scenes that feel totally like like a movie, like I'm watching a Marvel movie, and it's like, yes, this is great. But then it's mixed in with some of these other scenes that totally look like TV, like made for TV, and you're like, uh, that doesn't quite work. Like to give you an idea, when they were with, with you know, you had um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, they were with the Baron, Baron Zemo. They had to go to that really seedy city in order to to get Mag- information. Magapur or something like that. I don't even remember what it was called, but like it was so cheesy. Like like you you look at the scene, you look at the extras who are supposed to be like the like the worst of the worst. And it's like, you could totally tell they're like these little like rinky dink vegetarian extras that are sitting there and they're trying to look all tough. And you're just like, I am not buying this at all. This, this <laughs> doesn't look yeah. convincing. Um, so th- there were like moments like that. However, there were also certain scenes such as the, the one particular industrial area with um, all the crates, and all stuff. the storage That's crates. Story, yeah. Love that whole sequence where they came across that scientist and uh, we get more uh, familiar with Agent Carter, you know, Sharon Carter, who is helping them out. We, we see how she's she can handle herself very well. Love the fighting sequences. Very realistic. Bought into him instantly. I'm like, yeah, this is this is cool. Did you, did you like them as well? Yeah, I, I thought I actually liked when um, I, th- I think it was Sam who said uh, you're going to fight the. I can't remember the name, but it's, it's the Wakandan soldiers. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to fight them? Yeah, you go ahead. And I'm yeah. going to sit over here like, oh, good luck with that. You know, we've... Kind of- that was another good scene. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I love he's just standing around oh, like, yeah, go, yeah, sure, try it out. Yeah. Oh, man. I do also like how he has that type of 
understanding or, or kind of a, a unique relationship with the Wakandans. Yeah. I almost wonder if he had you know, a little, um, little glimmer or sparkle in the eye for that one uh, bodyguard in particular who he was talking with here and there throughout the episodes. I, I can't tell if there was some sort of romantical past well, or if I was reading too much into it. I'm not sure, but but there was, I mean, they definitely knew each other. Yeah, I'm. well, I mean, you're talking about Zemo or you're talking about the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, yeah. Yeah, Bucky was, remember how like she left those little uh, sure. yeah, parts yeah. of her bracelet or whatever and, yeah. and so he went over and talked to her and then we see him talk to her through subsequent episodes as well and, and it's one thing to have like formality of like, oh, you're a, you're a bodyguard from Wakanda, what can I do for you? Be very diplomatic. They have, well, they had a little at, bit, at least well, a friendship. Like there's something a, that's there and I wasn't sure if it was so far as like maybe they, Maybe they don't have any pre-existing like romantic I'm not relationship. Say romance, but there, there's definitely like a tenderness or like a. I can't really put my 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 words are not accurately describing it, but it, there was something there that caused me to kind of go, hmm, maybe, maybe not, but maybe. Um, uh-uh. I don't think so. I mean, I think she's the one. May have been the one to bring him the arm they made for him. Yeah, but and, and he's been helping out in the land. He's been doing little things around there. If you recall, when they brought him, are you talking about his new arm? Or are you talking about the, the new arm? <laughs> See, instead of scratch, I can't scratch my head. I got this. I'm gonna scratch my my what used to be my jaw. I'm scratching right there instead. You have a jaw in there somewhere. Dude, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Golly, dude, I've got to lose this Pillsbury Doughboy oh face. Oh, boy. Keeps you warm on the winter. No, 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 right. A little too warm. My goodness. Anyway. So, okay, so. Okay, yeah. I have listed down a few themes that Falcon and the Winter Soldier explore. Uh, we did talk already about life outside of the Avengers in terms of trying to get back sure. to normal life. Yeah. Um. We did talk a bit about the significance of taking on the Captain America mantle as it applied to the new Captain America. However, we haven't really talked about when Sam actually makes a decision to accept being the next Captain the America. Healed. Yeah. I well, actually, one of my favorite scenes uh, within the entire season was watching him prepare, you know, like getting, getting used to the shield. You know, I, I really like, excuse me, how... It wasn't like, oh, I decided I'm going to be the next Captain America. What's up? Yeah. You know, like, like you, you can tell that like that there was this journey, there was this process in place, and it wasn't even limited to him. How he he ended up talking to a lot of different folks. One of which I thought was one of the best characters and actors in the entire show, which was um, Isaiah Bradley. Yeah, and um, that made me re- just. I know you, you really enjoyed him too. I looked him, him up. Um, the actor's name is Carl Lubley. And I feel like, like Carl did an exquisite job. Honestly, I don't think I would have liked the show as much if he wasn't in it. Yeah. I feel as though the character, like what he brought to the character was a lot of sincere authenticity to someone who could have easily been involved in something like that as it applies to him serving his country, um, him not getting 
uh, equal treatment, him even getting like unduly punished and being put into prison. All this, I mean, like I bought everything that he said, like, like, and I mean, it was just palpable on screen. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I have to say I, when he, when we first meet him, I thought, um, Disney's walking a tightrope here because I didn't want them to get political. Yeah. And I thought, look, I'm trying to, you know, please don't go this route. I want to be entertained. I got enough of this on everyday life. And, but then you hear his story and mm. you think, man, I'd be better too. <laughs> like, I, I'd probably be saying the same things. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's very interesting, but I mean, the guy's acting as man towards season six. I mean, Really saw it in his in his eyes and yeah. his expression in his face. Uh, I think it's one thing to act when you're speaking, and I'm I'm not an actor, but I think it's one way to act when you have lines to deliver mm -hmm. and how you deliver them. You know, it, it, it's good acting and whatnot, but it's a whole other thing when you're trying to convey a feeling and a message by not saying anything whatsoever verbally, and your eyes are are speaking, and this this like the tightness in your cheeks and then your, and your mouth and your lips say something completely different. And, uh, towards the end of season six, uh, towards the end of season six, <laughs> I've seen it. Have you, um, I have not seen it yet. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> way ahead. Um, of episode six, when, uh, when Sam brings him in to see, look, I, I've taken, I've listened to you and yeah. I have taken, I've taken everything here. You are going to be remembered. Um, and everyone who walks through this museum is going to see you and know you. Um, even if you don't get the glory, they're going to know your name. And to see his face, I, I almost got a little bit of misty eye just by seeing the emotion in his face. Like I he did too. Yeah. Brought it up. Anyway, and so, or, or brought it out. Anyhow, I, but even with uh, that issue, uh, when, when he says, hey, um, you're never going to be Captain America. Right. And even if it was offered to you, you shouldn't take it anyway. And I thought, yeah, that's just not right, though. I mean, Sam has been with Steve Rogers for quite a long time and knows the guy very, very well. And he knows the government that he's served for now. And things have changed mm -hmm. for the better. And so, yeah, you know, Isaiah got not even a short end of the stick. He got like no stick. <laughs> and, uh, and so he's right to feel the way he is, but you know, being locked in that house and not getting out and, and, and becoming someone who he could have become, uh, he just doesn't know really how the world has changed. And so right. I thought, you know, no, like he's definitely wrong. Sam could take the shield. Sam has the right mindset. Um, yeah, he doesn't have like the super soldier strength, but you almost, you don't need that to be captain America. I think that, that we got to witness, two men of color who were, who were living like, like their, their prime were of two different generations. And I think Sam looked to this character as very much a pivotal character. He, where he wanted to help Isaiah out and, and um, get him back out into the world and, and everything else. And I think he was, he obviously he was very shocked and disgusted by um, the story that that Isaiah told him and how he he didn't even know that there was another super soldier outside of Steve Rogers, right? And he was absolutely. I, I don't know. I th I think that he he had to really do some soul searching in regards to how he felt about the U.S. government. That you know, obviously, he loves. He has a lot of pride and patriotism and everything else. But then, 
Unfortunately, the U.S. government is not perfect. There are lots of flaws. There are lots of atrocities that, well, maybe not a lot, but there are uh, there are atrocities that do occur. And in in this storytelling fictional world, this was one of of those types of atrocities where you just you really feel shameful that that this thing ever occurred and ever happened. Right. And it was interesting because. I loved the journey that those two characters went on where at when we first meet Isaiah, I mean, he is bitter. He is right. And, and you know, it's righteous, bitter, it's righteous anger, you know, and, and, and I was very surprised myself to even discover that there was another super soldier because up until this point, like they were talking a whole lot about how Steve Rogers was kind of like the prototype. And then we see how the whole thing gets destroyed and how um, Hydra was, trying to get their, their tentacles all over uh, the serum again so they can make their own super soldiers and, and so on and so forth. And then you go from that to as they have subsequent conversations and come to an understanding and everything else that they're both able to help each other out um, and, and, and move forward with whatever kind of blockade that, or roadblock that they were dealing with. And I thought that was actually a, um, a very sweet moment, a very poignant moment within the show that I, I always look forward to. Like as soon as I, I realize, oh, we get another scene with with um, these guys in it. It's like, OK, good. I, I really enjoy finding out what's next and that sure. sort of thing. And I think that that kind of it segues into another theme, which is like like they talk about the idea of having someone who is black who becomes Captain America. And I think that there is. Um, very much a justifiable um, exploration of that because it's very easy to get into stereotypes. It's very easy to be able to um, all of a sudden have the mindset of like, oh yeah, Captain America, yeah, you know, he has blonde hair, blue eyes, Caucasian, whatever, you know, and and that's a, in my opinion, that that, that is a very flawed approach in, into the character itself because Captain America is an idea. It's not associated with a person or a race or even a gender that Captain America is all about that mantle of selflessness. It's selfless honor. And there are thankfully a lot of people out there who have the capacity to be able to take on that mantle. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but at the same time you have folks who are very interest, interested and willing and passionate and desiring of wanting to, to, um, be able to take on that banner, so to speak. And I think that that plays also into the show's strength where they do have an exploration of like, you know, the new Captain America that took over and we got to witness how like, this isn't a bad person. It's not like he lives in some <laughs> volcano somewhere and he's like, I'm going to be the Failure, next Captain yeah. America. <laughs> you know, like he, he actually has good intentions. He meant well, but again, that mantle is no small mantle. That is a very big responsibility right. that, that not just any one person can take on. And so there's a lot more significance to when Sam makes that decision, that call, because even for me personally, like, Back when we were first introduced to the Falcon character, I've always liked Sam, and I always really liked. Um, I believe it's. Well, I mean, I'm going to make sure Anthony I, Mackie. I was going to say Andrew Mackie, Anthony Mackie, Tony <laughs> Antoine. Um, I've always loved Anthony's role 
as the Falcon. I've I completely bought into it. And I've, I actually, there were like fleeting moments, like as I was watching the various movies that came out over the years, I had wondered here and there, I'm like, man, like, I wonder like how he would look in a, in a Captain America outfit, because he really does naturally imbue a lot of the qualities that Steve Rogers he does. has as well. And like, I don't know, like, like he's always been one of my favorite characters uh, within the Avengers and within the, the MCU. And so, uh, I thought that it, it was really cool to be able to watch him go through this this mental and emotional journey of coming to terms with being okay with being the next Captain America. What did you think of his uh, suit, Russ? The new Captain America suit. I liked it. You know, when he got the suitcase, I I couldn't. I was thinking, okay, is this going to be like Captain America suit or is it like a an improved Falcon suit? And apparently, it's a kind of a combination of, kind of both. Both, because like you see, like a little bit of like what looks to be like a, a wing in, uh, emblem or insignia on the briefcase that he gets, or not a briefcase, but like the <laughs> hey that that futuristic looking suitcase thing he got. Um, but no, I, I thought it was great, I, and, I, and I loved how it wasn't. I don't know. When we come, when we finally get to see him in it, it's not like, well, I guess I'm the new Captain America. I guess right. I'm the new. I mean, like he owned it. He's like, like someone asked him, like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm Captain America, and like, yeah. he just, he just goes forward. And it wasn't egotistical. It wasn't arrogant or anything. I mean, he delivered that as how I would expect Captain America to deliver that. Yeah. What do you think? You know, I, I. I'm not sure if I like the suit or not. There's parts of the suit that I like and part that I don't like, but I was thinking there he would have some sort of helmet on. I mean, the guy's flying around at, you know, hundreds of miles an hour in the air. I would think they would give him some sort of yeah. helmet. Yeah. But like his whole head is open. I don't know. But I thought, I thought that the uh, red, white, and blue looked really striking. Uh, love the new wings that he had. I think it's almost too much white in the suit. I think the, what, what what the part of it that was a little odd was the neck part. Like it, it was yeah. such a it was Maybe such a stark white color going up. I did like the red goggles though. I, I did. The, yeah, the, that part looked tight. Like if they, yeah, hmm. I think you're right. It's just like like right like yeah the neck part like right in there. Yeah, yeah. if they were to change it up a bit, and like you said, like if they were to add in more of like the Captain America helmet, because again, it's like to your point, he's flying for crying out loud. Like you got to protect yeah. your head. I mean, Captain America's on his feet the entire time, maybe <laughs> on a motorcycle. And they give him a helmet. Like this guy's flying around. Like yeah, oh my god. It, what I will say, you and I, we don't read the the Captain America no. comics, so it could very well be that they're just paying homage yeah, to like right. how um, Falcon becomes um, Captain America in the comic books. And I mean, even moving forward, I'm sure we're going to see iterations sure. of the the costume as as we go on, and yeah, it'll get cool. I mean, like when we think of like the the initial Captain America uniform, I was not particularly like. I mean, it was cool to see the character on screen, but like the, the suit was like, eh, they, they get improved on that. And then as time was went on, it was like, oh, I like that. Oh, that iteration's even better. <laughs> oh, I'll take that. Thank you. You know, one thing we didn't touch on, which is probably criticism from me, is uh, all the villains in the show. I One thing I didn't... I'm not going to say that I wasn't... Get, well, I guess I am. <laughs> I, 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 re I had to remind myself, like, what's the motive? What's the purpose behind these villains? What do the they really smashers. want? To, the flag smashers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and like when we were watching the last episode, I thought, okay, why are they angry again? Like, what's the deal? And I actually had to go back yeah. and research. Like, it wasn't really, 
that evident throughout the show that, yeah, they are doing this because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, and so if you missed like the little nuggets where they told you, then you'd be clueless about why they were bad guys. Um, what do you think with the villains? Yeah, I was not very impressed at all. I, I think that there was not enough information that was given about them. We are introduced to, to this ragtag group of what appears to be outcasts. Right. I, my understanding is, is that they they had taken the the super soldier serum, so they have the, the incredible strength that Steve Rogers had. But beyond that, I really maybe I missed it in the show, but like I had no idea where these people came from. Were they tested upon? Did they used to be part of some U.S. government faction, like special forces or something? But even so, I know that that isn't the case because like they had different accents and, and like the main uh, leader, Carly, had, clearly has a, a British accent. So it's like, OK, well, I I don't think that they were a part of any kind of like U.S. military thing. Not to right. say that, like, obviously, I mean, you can have a British accent and still be a part of <laughs> the U.S. military. Like, but, wait, wait, yeah, customs like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you can't come in here like that. Get rid of the accent or else you're not walking in. It's fair that I make that disclaimer. <laughs> but I, for me, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, where did these folks come from? And I, maybe I have to watch the, the season again because I missed a detail or, or something like that. But my thing was, was like, I didn't, it was weird how you have like, what, like eight of them at least? Sure. Yeah, all together at one point. Extremely powerful together if they wanted to be, right? right. But then they were like always running away. And I'm like, there's like eight of you. There's like eight Steve Rogers that are there. Why are you running away? Like, it doesn't make any kind of sense. So from that standpoint, I, I, I was a bit confused. And I have to say, I did not like the, the character Carly. I thought she was annoying. I thought she was obnoxious. I didn't buy into like how she was able to like take on this leadership role. I mean, I thought that she did pretty well in terms of like kind of the mental game manipulation thing. Um, but beyond that, I was just like, no, like I'm not, I'm just not, no. Yeah. And, and, and it, again, it's one of those things where I think it's, it's a casting thing because I'm sure that, that the actor is a, a fine actor is a great actor, everything else. But what's weird how some of these casting choices are made, because if you recall, she was also in solo, a star Wars story. It was that the, you know, the Han Solo movie. She was the leader of the, the band of, uh, I don't even know what they were, but basically, you know, you know, like, like those space pirate types that sure. If you recall toward the end, um, Han and Chewie and what, and like the young Lando and whatnot, they're at that one place and they have kind of like that standoff in the desert area. And then she takes off her helmet. And, um, we realized that was the character that was fighting with Han on top of that, that futuristic train that was shipping all that, uh, special material. Plutonium. (laughs) Something with more kick. Plutonium. (laughs) Doc, you don't just walk into a store. (laughs) Buy plutonium. Did you rip that off? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw all that happen too, I was like, no, the, no offense, but the actor is like five foot four and she's fighting against someone like Woody Harrelson, who I think is like six, three or something like the dude is huge. And you see them fighting on top of the train, everything else. And I'm like, no, I'm not buying it. And she, t- you know, takes off the helmet. I'm like, no. Sorry, I'm not buying it. Yeah. Same situation with with this show. I was just every time she was on screen, it just got on my nerves, but not for the right reasons. 
Yeah. Plus, I mean, Bucky Barnes is to say a, a veteran. It, it, that that's the very least that he is. I mean, the guy can fight. He's fought a, quite a few people in his time. He's trained. He is trained, and you have this basically um, a ragtag militia, uh, maybe bar fighting at best. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> so we saw we saw them do certain forms of martial arts. Maybe right. we saw them do roundhouse kicks and different types of things that landed. It's like, okay, these people have a certain knowledge of being able to hold their own and fight, which was why I was confused. I'm like, okay, where'd you learn that? Where yeah. are you from? What do you know? Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, I, I found it really hard to really get behind um, them. I, I love a good villain, but I, I, to me, I didn't really care about either of them. Like, if they lived or died, I just didn't really care all that much because I didn't know what they're... So I had to Google what they were about. And they're basically... They are a group that wants the world to go back to the way things were, um, like, five years ago. Right. Like, pre-blip, I guess. Or, mm -hmm. or after the blip or something like that. So they're like, no borders and no patriotism or something like that. So the whole world was trying to help each other out in need. But their way of showing that to the world was rather odd um, because they're stealing trucks full of uh, like like uh, medicine. But how do they even get their hands, like how do they become super soldiers themselves? Or, or, or maybe not even, yeah, maybe that's inaccurate. Maybe it's more just how did they get their hands on the serum and take it themselves? Well, plus too, I mean, with, with Steve Rogers became <laughs> I go super soldier. That was quite a process. And then, um, then they're like, oh yeah, anybody can be a super soldier. Like, yeah, participation medals for everybody. Anybody can be a, you know, I thought, no, I'm just, well, maybe, maybe that's the way it is in the comic book. I, but I will say in the defense of back then versus now, like, you know, when Steve Rogers got turned into the, uh, a bit more know, super soldier. Yeah. It was, it took place in the uh, late thirties, early forties. And, uh, you know, as a, as a, Opposed to now, where like you know things have definitely progressed. Either way, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I hear what you're One saying. One shot. Well, again, I mean, like, look at us. We got vaccinated by COVID nineteen with one shot. It didn't take some <sighs> two sort of, shots. Well, two shots is true. Don't One shot. Two shots. But yeah, I, I feel like that was one of the more weak. I got a sore uh, arm for that too. Did you? Did you do sore. lots of? Uh, kind of shoulder aerobics to, to prevent it from... Oh, actually, better yet, did you... Uh, do you still have the Band-Aid on your shoulder? No, I had it on there for a couple of days, though. Did you? Took it off. Uh, did you do your left, left arm or right arm? Left arm. So did I. Very nice. Anyway, go back to the uh, what we were talking about. I think that that was probably one of the more weaker aspects of the show, which is unfortunate because you got to have a compelling villain to really buy in and make the, the protagonists even more memorable and, and, and having their sacrifice and, and what they put themselves through even more significant. And I just didn't get that in this case. Having said that though, what I did find to be rather kind of, um, I don't know, like 24 Jack Bowery, uh, almost uh, X files -y in a way was agent Carter because, we first are introduced to her back when Steve Rogers was around and how they had kind of like a little, uh, you know, in the direction of a fling. I kissed your aunt. <laughs> now I'm kissing you. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping it in the family, <laughs> I see. <laughs> but since then, we get reintroduced to her character. And by the end of the entire show, we find out she, in fact, is the power broker. Right. What do you think about that? 
thought it was just kind of hand-fed. I thought, okay, cool, she's the power broker. And now the show's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again. It felt thin, didn't one it? One more episode. Just give us a little, you know, expand this out. I do appreciate, though, how they are, they're molding her character to be one of kind of like a, a, a neutral gray zone, right? You don't know what her motives are. You don't know what she's going to do. She may help you. She may hinder you. You're not exactly right. sure, which is cool because she could have easily fallen into more of a stereotypical generic type of role. And it's like, okay, cool. Now I have um, vested interest to see where this character goes. But they didn't. So I wish they would have fleshed that her, you know, fleshed that out a little bit more because I, I had to look it up why she turned into a bad guy because the last thing I remember from all these movies was she was a good guy. And it was basically that the government did her wrong too because she was helping out Captain America, Cap. Uh, they, she got him um, like his uniform back during Civil War and she was helping them out against the, gov- the gores of the government and then the government, I think, like branded her a traitor and stuff like that. So um, she was on the outs and had basically start a new life. Yeah. And so I think, I think she referenced that when they were back at her like apartment or something. And she was saying, Hey, if I got to get, if I, this is my life now, I might as well get rich off it. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, that's basically what she said. Mm -hmm. And so they, they gave us a little bit of a sprinkling and that was it. And there, so that's all we have to go on. And then the show's over. But, and then, and then also we had the character who was, uh, was played by Georgia St. Pierre, who was an MMA fighter, by the way. I don't, yeah, I don't know who he, who, what character he was. He, we also saw, he's like an arms broker or something. Okay. Yeah. And we saw him also, uh, I think Steve Rogers fought with him or it could have been, um, or it could have been Falcon back on, um, I think it might have been Civil War also. Remember, mm. he was on that boat. I'll show you, Russ. Oh. Oh, did you crack something? Oh. oh, I can't do it. Oh, it's not working. Go ahead. I'll uh, I'll look it up. So you have to do a proper crack. Yeah, proper. I'll I'll take care of that for you. Oh, hey, thanks. Um. Anyway, I'll I'll find this. What do you guys else got to say? Well, the only other thing that that I I just want to touch upon really quick is how um going back to to the the new cap um who ended up um making a wrong decision with the shield and everything else. It, it, I did think it was neat to see him kind of reemerge. However, the, again, this is what happens when you only have six episodes. He ends up reemerging and helping Falcon and winter soldier, um, toward, you know, at the very end of the last, the last episode. And on the one hand, it's like, I'm very happy to see that. Cause it's like, wow. Okay. He's, He's overcoming his demons. He's wanting to do what he can. But at the same time, there's also kind of, he has his own gray zone because I think he's also after revenge. And um, he was in the winter, Captain America, the winter soldier. Okay. That's when we saw him. But, you know, looking at, at, at what he was doing, it was like the Falcon and the winter soldier ended up just accepting him and accepting his help as opposed to, whoa, what are you doing here? The last time we saw you, you totally murdered this other person in front of us. Like you, like now, now you just expect us to be cool with you helping out. You know, like it was just way too like accepting. Like, oh hey, hey, thanks for helping hey, out. Oh yeah, fist bump. Yeah, cool. But at the same time, I love seeing him like like save that truck. You know, sure. and, and seeing like what kind of good he could do and that sort of thing. So it's again, like I I appreciate those layers because it's it's very easy to make 
any given character one dimensional, but for them to be able to like actually be very self-conscious of like, no, what else can we do um, regarding this character? And then we see at the very end how he becomes, I think it's, he becomes U.S. agent. U.S. agent, yeah. Again, I don't read the Captain America comics. I assume this is another character from that particular comic book. So anyway, what are your concluding thoughts and ratings, Steve? Well, I enjoyed the show. I, again, I thought it was a bit rushed. Uh, not rushed in the making, just rushed in the storytelling where um, they build us up. And then by episode four, knowing that we have two episodes left, they really just kind of hand feed us and say, okay, here you go. Here's all that stuff that you know, we said was, was coming out. There you go. Be happy. And I thought, well, <laughs> I, I again, I would like at least one more episode uh, just to kind of settle everything. Um, I... I love Anthony Mackie being Sam. I, I just, I really do like that character. You know, he, he's not, he, he's like, a, I'm not going to say like the, the B crew, but he's like that support that you need, right? Well, he's, I mean, the, the purpose of his character, at least traditionally speaking, was that he was in more of a supportive role. He, right. was, he was part of the supportive cast right. and they have their own purpose to play. That's why you have primary right. roles and supportive roles. Right. So um, to see him in this show was absolutely fantastic. He has the role and he does it very, very well. And I love the chemistry between him and uh, and Bucky Barnes. And yeah. um, and, I, and I love seeing them both on screen. And, and I, I enjoyed the realism of the show. It kind of brought it more to home, more to, to, to home. I was about to say mortal home. <laughs> mortal <laughs> combat. Anyway, um, so, and, and I love seeing the backstory. I, I like seeing these characters actually be regular people and interacting with other folks and not just having to be, do superhero stuff all the time. I mean, what happens when you're not doing superhero stuff? What do you do? Do you just kind of hang out and be buddy-buddy, play ping pong, like in Mar in, in, in Avengers headquarters? Like, what, do you, what else do you do? Right. Um, and so we got to see that. And I thought, and I really, really appreciate it. I thought the music was done, well done too. I, I, um, I liked all of the visual effects they had. I mean, I, you definitely can tell they spent some money on it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just thought that, that, Parts of it were, were too forced with like the, the therapy, um, with the villains. Um, I think everything on the good guy's side was done very well. Everything on like the bad guy's side was kind of wishy-washy. And so with that, um, but even so, I did enjoy it and I am looking forward to the next season that's coming out. So um, I, I would say my rating would be a 3.5. Okay, 3.5 stars. From this man. I have been very much looking forward to and, and anticipating these different types of shows from Disney Plus because it does provide the opportunity to be able to look at these characters and heroes and villains that we've all come to know and love, but in a, a little bit of a, of a different comp capacity that, than what we've been used to. And I think that... Disney plus has delivered in certain areas, but I also think that they need to go to the drawing board and assess how they can move forward and continue to improve what they have so far. And we've seen that with WandaVision. We, and we're, we've seen this now with, with Falcon and the winter soldier. I'm very curious to see uh, how Loki the TV show turns right. out as well, because that that's going to be, I believe their third MCU oriented Disney plus show. These characters have been um, a lot of fun to watch. I do think that that some mistakes were made when it comes to 
like what we've been talking about with, with regards to like, I think like, like they tried to um, create unnecessary conflict between the two characters that I don't think was necessary or that was there. I do think that, that there was proper conflict in terms of how you can have two different opinions based on like who should have the mantle or not. And that sort of thing. I, I think that that's really well done. And I think that the, the various themes that we've covered um, for the most part, they did a, a nice job being able to like explore these things that are done. So in a way that's great storytelling and doesn't get mired into real world politics, but at the same time is able to present some of this, this subject material in such a way where it does cause one to reflect. And I think one of the, the, the ones that was a big success for this particular show is that exploration of having someone who is African-American be able to take on um, the role of Captain America. I thought they did a fantastic job uh, with that because it could have easily been patronizing. It could have very easily been j just really heavy handed. And it wasn't like it, it was actually done. Like at the end of it, I was like straight up rooting for um, the Falcon becoming the, um, the next Captain America yeah, and I mean, seeing him do his thing and everything else. We, we were rooting for me either way though. Right. But my point is, is that when it comes to see, it's, it's a challenge from the storytelling perspective because like you can have people like you and I who like, we've always been rooting for the character. We understand everything else, but there are a lot of folks out there who nece don't necessarily um, see that perspective yet. And so how do you tell the story in a way that folks can rally behind and believe in and have like perhaps a, a new understanding um, both when it comes to the fiction, but also like when it comes to more of like some of the real world uh, types of scenarios, obviously we don't have any real world Captain Americas, but like when it comes to other types of, of positions, um, you know, it, it, it becomes less and less about who you are, or what you look like, but more about you know the content of your character. And I think that that is like the tried and true um, kind of test, if you will, when it comes to a lot of positions of power and responsibility and that sort of thing. So right. I, I was not uh, particularly enamored with the, it's weird. Cause like the villain thing, like what you said, like on the one hand, I really like seeing Zemo back and I like sure, right. finding out more about him at the same time though, was not a fan of Carly. I didn't find her captivating or interesting. I found her to be obnoxious and annoying. And that was kind of a bummer. At the same time, looking at Agent Carter, I thought she, she was really intriguing because we weren't really sure. You know, I I personally had kind of a, a picture of her as being strictly a protagonist based on how we saw her before. Now we're seeing something that's a bit different. You're like, oh, okay, maybe something's not stirring the Kool-Aid. So I agree. I think that I'm looking forward to seeing season two. I'd like to see how Disney builds upon this and... Um, I mean, I, like I said, I, I think it's a lot of fun to have these types of shows. My, my only hope is that they're able to improve upon them because if they can find just that sweet spot, then these shows are going to be absolutely fantastic in between the films, right? Right. right. So I'm going to go with you. I actually have the same rating. 3.5 stars for Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 1. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, 
Search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you all next week.